Welcome to Directions in Rashi, a podcast that will help you understand individual comments from Rashi throughout the Chumash, and that will also introduce you to some of the general principles which I feel uh, directed Rashi in his creation of his commentary, and that will help us to understand his commentary better all around. Welcome. Parshas Ba'era, Kodesh Baruch Hu informs Avram Avinu that he intends to destroy the cities of Sodom and Amora and some neighboring towns because of their immorality, because of their appalling cruelty and lack of kindness, kindness to strangers. And Avram Avinu goes to bat for the people of Sodom. Now clearly. The people of Sodom and Amira are not Abraham's type of people. As we've already said, they were immoral, they were unkind. And yet it would seem uh, fairly obviously that because Avram Avinu's Mida, because his special character trait, which was the primary character trait of his personality, because that was chesed, because that trait is kindness and goodness. So he attempts to argue with HaKadosh Baruch Hu and to try to save these people of Sodom. At first, Avra Bavino tries to see if there are enough Sadiqim, if there are enough righteous people in Sodom that in their merit, the entire city or the entire five cities can be saved. When that turns out not to not to be applicable, so then Avraham Aminu tries to argue that at least the tzaddikim themselves should be saved. I'd like to focus in this year on one pasuk and one somewhat cryptic Rashi comment. So Avraham Aminu says to Kadosh Baruch now, Rashi will see soon, but Rashi explains it. means it is It is profane to you. It would be a desecration to your name to do such a thing. To kill the righteous together with the evil. And then the fate of the righteous would be the same as the fate of the Russia. Khalilalach. And Abraham here repeats himself. Khalilalach. It would be a sacrilege to you. Will the judge of all the earth not do justice? Will you, Hashem, who are the judge of, of the whole earth, will you not do justice? So you can't do this. Kodesh Baruch Hu responds that no, <laughs> there simply aren't any tzaddikim around. If there would be, I would forgive them, but there simply aren't. Let's take a look at Rashi. If you will say, in other words, Rashi is paraphrasing Abraham. If you will say, if you Hashem will say, that the righteous cannot rescue the evil. 
There are not enough of them to warrant that. But Lama Tamisis is Sadiqim. Why will you then kill the Sadiqim? They're still Sadiqim. Chulin This is Chulin to you. This is profane to you. Yaimru, people will say, Kahi Umnaso. This is the Umnus. This is the craft. This is the habit of a Kaddish Borachu. Shaitefakol. He wipes away everyone. Sadiqim or Rashoyim. Whether they are righteous or evil. So you did to the generation of the flood. You wiped away everyone. Except, of course, Noach and his family. But you wiped away everyone, even though Rashi seems to be implying that there were some good people amongst that generation. That may, that may just be uh, a, an illusory point that Rashi is is quoting what people will say. Maybe it's not really correct, but this is what people will say. So you did to the Dora Mabul, or the Dora Plaga, into the generation of the dispersion, the generation that was dispersed because of the, the Tower of Babel. So people will say, you did the same thing. Not everyone was a Russia, but you took your punishment from everyone. So if you now kill in Sadaim, even those few people who might be tzaddikim. So this is going to be, make, create a terrible reputation for you. This is, this is beneath your dignity. This is chulun Let's continue, chalil Let's continue with this Rashi here. Now, here Rashi is talking about why, why Abraham Avinu repeats himself. That is even into Oilam Habo. And I'd like to focus on this Rashi. So, in other words, Rashi is uh, on a technical level dealing with a very simple and obvious question that Abraham repeats himself. First, he says, He says to Hashem, This is a profanation of your name. This is a belittling of you to act like this. And then Abraham Abina repeats. It is a sacrilege. It is a profanation of your name. So why is Abraham Avinu repeating himself? So Rashi is saying an answer. The first is referring to what people will say in this world. And the second has something to do with the Olam Habo. What exactly that is, I never understood. And as I was looking through some of the Mepharshim this year, I noticed that the Mizrahi, the Bileo Mizrahi, one of the primary super commentaries on Rashi, says, He says about this Rashi, I have not heard its explanation. So I'm in good company to be somewhat puzzled. What exactly does it mean? A Echilol Hashem in Oilom Habo. Exactly does that mean? So I'd like to simply go through several of the super commentaries on this, see what they say. I'm not going to add very much more than some clarification of their words. First of all, I think it is worthwhile that we pause and remind ourselves what is Chilol Hashem in its usual meaning in, in the Torah, in the words of Chazal. The words Chilol Hashem in the mouths of many people today is like the 
the Yisoyed HaYisoyed is the foundation of all foundation. It's the reason for every mitzvah in the Torah. It's the reason for everything we do or should, should do and shouldn't do so as not to create a Chilol Hashem. You, you talk to some people, everything that's wrong, they say, well, it's, it's a Chilol Hashem. Don't keep Shabbos? Oi, Chilol Hashem. Uh, not talk nicely to your friend? Chilol Hashem. Don't eat kosher? Chilol Hashem. Everything's Chilol Hashem, Chilol Hashem. That is, I think, a very wide stretching of the term. I'm not saying it's totally inaccurate, but I think we should pause for a moment here and talk about what does Chilol Hashem mean when it is used by Chazal, when it is used by the, by the great Mepharshim, by the Rishonim, and so on. The Rambam in Hilchas Yisaydi HaTayro, Perik Hay, discusses a mitzvah called Kiddush Hashem, meaning that there are certain situations in which if someone is forcing you to transgress a mitzvah, so they're to the point of killing you if you don't transgress, so then there are halachas about that. When it comes to most mitzvahs, so you are commanded not to give up your life. The halacha is Yavor, you should transgress the mitzvah and you should not be killed. For example, someone holds a gun to your head and says, eat this McDonald's cheeseburger. So if there's no way to get out of it, so according to the halacha, you should transgress and you should not allow yourself to be killed. The Ramam uh, goes so far to say that if somebody did allow himself to be killed, so he is uh, he is responsible for his own death. He shouldn't do that. However, if it is one of the three cardinal sins, if the person is trying to force you to do idolatry or sexual immorality of, certain, of, of, of a certain degree, and uh, if he's trying to compel you to murder someone, so then the halacha is Yehareg Ba'al Yavor. The person should be, he should allow himself to be killed and he should not transgress these three mitzvahs. Now I'm summarizing, there are some other halachas that one needs to know. You can certainly look them up in the Rambam Perek Hay, Pilchus Yisaydi But in general, the, the Rambam says that if you are in a situation where you should have allowed yourself to be killed rather than transgress one of these three cardinal sins. So if you allow yourself to be killed, that is called that you did a mitzvah of Kiddush Hashem. You have sanctified Hashem's name. You have shown how great Hashem's name is, how important HaKadosh Baruch Hu is to you, that you even gave up your life not to transgress His will. If you, if the person was weak-hearted, and even though we are talking about one of the three cardinal sins, but the person, he doesn't have the, the, the strength, and he succumbs, he does the sin rather than be killed. So Ramam says, this person has done an Avera that is called Chilul Hashem. He has profaned God's name. That is the main meaning 
of Chilul Hashem. And then the Rambam says, in Halacha Yud Aleph, Yesh Dvarim Achirim, there are some other things that are also called Chilul Hashem. For example, he says if there is a person who is a Talmud Chacham, and he is respected by his community, and he does certain things which, although are not forbidden, but they look a little bit inappropriate. For example, he goes into the marketplace and he takes an item from the store. I don't mean he grabs it, but he, he, he accepts an item from the store and walks away without paying. Now he really has every intention of paying. He has a deal, he, he buys on credit, and uh, of course he's gonna come back later and pay, but it looks a little inappropriate. This Talmud Chacham is supposed to represent the highest adherence to the laws of the Torah. One could look at him and think, mm, he doesn't pay for what he buys. And that's called Chilul Hashem. The Ramam gives some other examples and he says this all depends on exactly who the person is and exactly what kind of an action he has done. It may, it certainly depends on, on the time and the place, what, how people in that time and place will interpret his actions. But when a person who was respected as someone who keeps the Torah does things which look like perhaps he is not keeping the Torah, that is also called Chilul Hashem. Of course, how this applies to a Kaddish Baruch Hu is, uh, is something very interesting that we apparently see from this Pasuk, certainly according to the way Rashi interprets the Pasuk, that there could be such a thing called Chilol Hashem that is committed, that is perpetrated by Hashem, that if a Kaddish Baruch Hu would kill the Sadiqim in Stoim, that would be called Chalilalach, Chulin Hulacha, this would be a profanation of God's name, because it would look wrong. Okay. And in the second Rashi, he says something about Olam Habo. So let's take a look at the Mizrahi. How does he interpret this, this point made by Rashi, that there will be a Chilul Hashem in Olam Habo? He says, the two times that Abraham says Chalila, this points, this indicates uh, a great, immense type of profan, uh, profaning of Hashem's name. That must mean there is a profaning of God's name. Which is the most extreme of all of Eiris. There is no forgiveness there is no total forgiveness by Hashem to a person who has committed Chilol Hashem, except after the person dies. As long as the person is alive, that sin is hanging over him, as we will see in a moment. The person can be, uh, could be suffering because of that sin, and he could be, uh, he could be uh, trying to repent from that sin, but it is not fully forgiven until he dies. Tahainu ba'olam habo. That means that it continues up to the doorway to Olam Habo, up until the next world. Okay, when he dies, if he has done a, a proper tshuva, then it's over. He's finished with that Avera. But until then, he's stuck with it. 
the Mizrahi here quotes the Gemara in the end of Mesech the Yom. Avar al mitzvah saseh, v'hasa If a person transgressed a mitzvah saseh, let's say he didn't put on his tefillin one morning, of course, without certain excuses that are legitimate, but he didn't put on his tefillin one morning, v'hasa tshuva, but he did tshuva, meichlun miyad. So they forgive him immediately, meaning God and his uh, base din, they forgive him immediately. Shenemar, as it says, shuvu vanim shavavim, return, O oh, you wayward children, erpo mishuvay seichem. I will heal your wildness. I will, he- I will heal your, your, your indiscretions. So you see that it all depends on shuva. So there's a certain category of avera. You do tshuva, that's the end of it. Avar al-mitzvah if a person transgressed a negative commandment, let's say he ate chazir, and then he did tshuva, tshuva law, the tshuva hangs, the tshuva delays, Yom Kippur finally puts, closes the lid on that sin, it cleanses it. Shinemar, as it says in Apostle, it says regarding Yom Kippur, on that day, Hashem will forgive you. So you see there's a category of Avera that one must wait till Yom Kippur to receive the full, the full forgiveness. Avar If a person transgressed on an Avera that carries with it the punishment of Chorus or of death in Beistin, and he did Shuva, so let's say he was Mechalo Shabbos. Let's say he was even Mechalo Shabbos b'mezit, on purpose, knowingly. But he did Shuva. So Shuva v'yamikipurim toilin. Shuva and Yom Kippur delay. V'yisurin mimarkin. And sufferings in this world, they are mimarek. They finish it off. He's not exempt from this Avera until he suffers to some extent in this world, some kind of pain, illness, etc. Shenemar, as it says in a Pasuk, I will visit their sin with a shevet, with a stick. I'm going to hit them a little bit in order to bring atonement for their sin. And with negoyim, with plagues or, or some sort of a physical ailment, I will, I will visit their sin. I will respond to their sin. Okay, but up till now, whatever type of avera it was, there is a certain point within the person's lifetime that if he does tshuva, he can become exempt from that that sin. Someone who has the profaning of God's name in his hand, someone who has done the sin of chilul Hashem. In koyach lebetshuva litzlois, tshuva does not have the power to delay. And physical suffering or suffering in this world does not have the power to finish off and cleanse the sin. And Yom Kippur does not have the power to absolve and to atone the sin. All of those three things delay. They all help to an extent, but it's just delaying the inevitable. Umisa mimarekes. Death finishes off the process.
Shinemar, as it says in the Pasik, the Nigla Ba'ozne Hashem Svakois, it is revealed to the ears of Hashem. If this sin will be forgiven, ad timusun, before you die. So it is referring there, the Gemara is telling us that that Pasak is referring to the sin of Chilol Hashem, and it says it will not be forgiven ad timusun, until you die. Now he says, the meaning of the Olam Habo that Rashi says here, that there will be a chaliolach in Olam Habo, that there is no mechila in this world, there is no forgiveness in this world, not with tshuva or yom kippur or yisurin, but only in Olam Habo, in the next world, which means, after one dies. Now, what does the Mizrahi mean by all of this? In my humble opinion, I think, I thought anyway, that according to the Mizrahi, this phrase in Rashi, it is a, it is a profanation of your name, Hashem, to Olam Haboa, is simply a sort of a poetic way of saying that it is a very, very great Chilol Hashem. The first time Rashi said, the first time Abraham said Chalilolach, so it's in this world. People will say Hashem's not fair. Okay, that, that's not good. But now Abraham repeats it and he says, Chalilolach, it is a awesome and tremendous and unbelievable Chilol Hashem. It's It's like when a person does the Avera of Chilol Hashem, it's terrible, it's frightening. And what's frightening about it is, is there's no way out of that sin until one dies. That's what I thought the Mizrahi means. I did see one of the other commentators who lived a little bit after the Mizrahi. It's known as Devik one of my uh, secret favorite super commentaries on Rashi. The Devek Tov, although he doesn't mention Mizrahi by name, um, it is known, he says it in the, in, the, uh, in the introduction to his Sefer, that it is for the most part a, a liquid. It is a collection of comments from various commentators that he put together, and that he does not always name them. He rarely names any of them. He says that in his introduction. The Devik Tov says that it's Chulun Sadikim Russia. It is a profanation, a profaning of your name to kill Sadikim together with the Rashoyim. Afilu Hashem. Even if the Avera was Chilol Hashem, ad which is not to be forgiven until Olam Habo. In other words, he seems to be. Quoting here the Mizrahi, but he's also paraphrasing that perhaps what it means here is that even if these, um, even if the sin that we're talking about, the sin that was committed by the Rishoyim, even if it included Chilol Hashem, which it probably did, these are very bad people in Sidaim. So even if the sin, if the sins included Chilol Hashem, which cannot be forgiven 
until Olam Haba. Okay. So even if that's their sin of the Rishoyim, but how can you kill the Tzaddikim also? The Tzaddikim didn't do that sin. So what Rashi says, Olam Haba means that even if we're talking here about a sin of Chilol Hashem, which continues all the way into Olam Haba. It's not really that there's going to be a Chilol Hashem of a it's not that Hashem is going to look bad in the next world. That, that's, that's not the point. Well, Avram Avinu was saying that even, even if the sin is so bad that the sin itself touches on Olam Habo, because it's the sin of Abayda Zorah, the sin goes all the way to the doorway of Olam Habo, but it's still not fair to kill the tzaddikim. I'm, I'm still a little bit puzzled by this whole approach of the Mizrahi. By the way, I'm not the only one. We'll see some. Uh, other rabbis which with beards much longer than mine were also somewhat puzzled by the by this Mizrahi. There is another Perush amongst the super commentaries of Rashi called Chizkuni. I've quoted him many times. And he is quoted here by a number of the other Mefarshim in explaining this Rashi. The Cheskuni takes the words, the Olam Habo, that Rashi writes here, and he says, it's not referring to the, to the next world, not referring to the afterlife. He says, Olam Habo means the coming generations, the Doirois Haboim. And what Abraham Avinu is saying is, it's not just going to look bad for a while if you kill the Sadiqim here in Stein. It's going to look bad for a long, long time. It's going to look bad into the next generations. And that's what it means. The Maral quotes this, other, other of the great super commentators of Rashi quote this. So it's a little bit of a twist, a little bit of a forced interpretation of Rashi's words, but if, if we'll accept it, so it's, a, it's an easy enough concept to understand. I think there's a very interesting point to this concept. And that is that according to the, the way the Chizkuni is understanding here, each generation is called an Olam Habo, it's a new world. We often talk about trying to uh, imitate or reach the level of former generations that uh, were uh, allegedly greater than us. And they probably, I'm sure some generations were much greater than us. Although it's not always as much as we think. There is a definite tendency to romanticize previous generations. There were, I would say, it is no, it is no romanticizing, it is no fantasy that there were Sadiqim in previous generations who I don't think we can even imagine how great they were. But when we talk about the entire generation, there were generations and there were generations. It's my uh, my uh, humble opinion that uh, we're better than some and worse than others. But it's not like they were all just all better than us as a whole. Whatever the point is, we, we often talk about, let's, you know, let's go back to the old generations. Let's go back to how they were. Yes, we should. We should emulate the good points of former generations. But we also have to remember that every generation is an oilum habor. It's a new world different set of circumstances, 
different times, different places. There need to be different goals, different methods to reach those goals. The halacha remains, for the most part, the same. The halacha uh, takes into account the possibility that when situations change, there's a different halacha applies. I mean, but the basics are the same, but there are different approaches, different ways of thinking about things. It's not just, let's find our ideal generation from however many hundreds of years ago, let's just do everything the same as them. Let's think like them and do like them and act like, it's not so simple. Every generation is different and every generation has to find its own path to a Kodesh Baruch. Okay, one more opinion from the super commentaries on Rashi here. And that is of the Baal Halavushim, Rabbi Mordechai Yafet, who lived from 1530 to 1612. He is best known for his work on halacha called uh, Halavush. But he also wrote a super commentary on Rashi, not as complete as some of the others. He comments on a few points each week in each parsha. I oftentimes find myself not exactly agreeing or I don't oftentimes find myself really singing along with his comments. And so I don't always quote it. I'm not saying he's wrong. I'm not saying he made dumb mistakes, but it doesn't always resonate with me. But here he says something I think very worthwhile to consider. The Baal HaDavushim says that Avraham knew that HaKadosh Baruch Hu's plan was to cut off, to destroy the people of Stein from Olam Hazed and from Olam Habo. How he knew that, the Baal Levushim doesn't say exactly, but it's not that hard to imagine. Uh, people who had committed such great crimes, uh, probably one could assume that if, uh, that if Hashem tells Abraham, you know, I've had enough of these people and I'm not gonna put up with it any longer, that the plan is, that's it. They're out of this world, and they're out of reward for next world. Abraham knew that. And therefore, Abraham assumed that if HaKadosh Baruch Hu will destroy the tzaddikim of Sadaim, they too will be cut off from Olam Habo. It's not like the tzaddikim are going to get one degree of punishment and the Rishoyim are going to get a different. It's going to be one, one xera, one decree. Everyone in Sadaim and Amorah they're out of this world, and they're out of the next world. So Avraham said this phrase, two times. The first time he said it, he was referring to this world. That if the Sadiqim of Sadim will be killed, people in this, in this world will say, what's going on? Is this how Hashem does things? He kills Sadiqim and Roshoyim? This is what he seemingly did to the Doramabal. He killed everyone even some people who are tzaddikim. And this is what he did to the Dorah Plaga, that he, dis he dispersed everyone. He didn't allow anybody to stay with the, with, the, with the Migdal, with the tower above him. He dispersed them all and he changed everyone's language. So is this how a Kaddish Baruch who acts? That, that's that's Khalilulacha. That's, that's, a, that's a, a profaning of your name. And then Abraham repeated, Khalilulach meaning in Olam Habo. Now, what does that mean? Explains the Baal HaLavushim. 
if the tzaddikim who are sitting in Olam Abba, there are tzaddikim right now, who are sitting in Olam Abba, they are sitting, uh, enjoying the rewards of Olam Abba. They were tzaddikim before Abram Avinu. Noyach was a tzaddik. And others. Chanoch, it says in, in Bracious, and there were others. Misushelach. There are tzaddikim sitting in Olam Abba. If they will see that the tzaddikim of Stoim are not arriving in Olam Habo for their rewards, so the tzaddikim will also say, they'll also say, hmm, looks like Hashem doesn't have a very good, a very good way of operating. Because the tzaddikim in Olam Habo says the Baal Levushim, they know what is happening on earth. They know, they can look down on earth and they can tell who's a tzaddik, and who's a Russia? And if they see people in Sadaim who are Sadiqim and they are not arriving for their good times in Olam Habo, so there's going to be a Chilol Hashem in Olam Habo. The Sadiqim up there, Mesushalach and Chanaich and so on, they're going to say, it looks like Hashem is not fair. It looks like Hashem punishes and destroys good people together with the bad. And that, says the Baal Levushim, is what Rashi means with his comment, There will even be a bad impression about Hashem created amongst the tzaddikim in Olam Habo, because they know the score. They know what's going on in this world, and they know who's coming as a new, uh, new residence in the 57-star hotel called Olam Habo. And they can see who's coming and who's not coming. I think this is a very um, simple, straightforward, and very uh, digestible uh, approach to the Rashi, which contains an awesome piece of Musar. Because it's not the it's not really the Chiddush of the Baba Lavusha, but he's reminding us of something. And he's telling us that Sadiqim and Olam Habor know but we know what people are doing in this world down here. Now, it's one thing in this Pasuk. This Pasuk is very theoretical. If Hashem is going to kill Sadiqim together with Roshoy, meaning if there are any Sadiqim, so that would theoretically, so to speak, that would be a profaning of Hashem's name. I mean, this is Hashem profaning his own name. That's a concept that's uh, a little bit beyond us. But certainly on the simple level, if we down here on this earth are behaving in a way that is inappropriate, if we are not behaving according to our abilities, the tzaddikim in Olam Habor can see us, they know what we're doing, and they get a bad impression. It's Chilol Hashem, just like if we do something inappropriate and people see it, and they expect more from us. And they say, oh, look at that guy, he thinks he's so religious, he walks around with the black hat, and look how he acts. That creates a bad impression amongst people, and a Kodesh Baruch who is not happy about that. That's a sin that a person will have to carry for the rest of his life. Who are then, the same applies if, let's say, the person does something inappropriate, and no one in this world sees him. But, it would, but, but the Sadiqim and Elam can see him. They know what's going on. And that will be a Chilol Hashem in Olam Habo, the Sadiqim in Olam Habo will 
will be getting the wrong impression. You're profaning God's name in front of them. And apparently, it would seem to follow from this comment of the Baal that we are, we are chas responsible for that also.